as summer is upon us, I usually start thinking about the fall already. Because each fall, campus ministry gears up. So summer is your planning time. But every fall, as students begin a new semester at Virginia Commonwealth University, there's an event called the Student Organization Fair. As you can imagine, it's a chance for students to come and explore the many different student groups that VCU has to offer. There's everything from intramural sports to faith-based groups, sororities and fraternities, and for all you Harry Potter fans, there's a Quidditch team you can join also. But every year, I go with one or two of our students to set up a table for UKirk Campus Ministry with all of our information and last year, in August of 2017, I had an interesting experience. You see, usually as students walk by your table, they'll casually glance at what you have, if there's any free candy, but they'll carefully avoid eye contact because they don't want to commit to anything too quickly. So you can imagine my surprise when a student walked in the door, right up to our table, looked me in the eye and introduced himself. He asked me what kind of group we were and what we did each week. I responded with the usual that we were a campus ministry and that UKirk, this weird word, means university church and we're a ministry of the PCUSA. I said we meet each week for a home-cooked meal and a program that could be worship and prayer and conversation or even just recreation, and we chatted like that for a few minutes. But then he did something incredibly brave. He asked me if UKirk was a safe place for LGBTQ students, because he was gay. I said, of course it is. I shared with him our mission and our vision statement that declares that we are a welcome and inclusive ministry for all people. That student joined UKirk. He's been one of our most regular members, and he has come to worship here at Second both Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings this year. As I've gotten to know him, I learned that he had been a part of other organizations that had not been so welcoming. And because of those experiences, he had questioned whether or not he belonged in a community of faith at all. But even in the midst of those struggles, he always shared with me that he believes in a God who loves him. The day he walked up to our table, he was brave enough to speak a question into existence that could have brought him more pain and more rejection. Instead, his voice gifted Ukirk with another person that we could call brother and friend. His bravery demonstrated his hope in God's grace for all people, and his boldness brought diversity and passion to our group that has helped all of us grow in our own faiths. He believed that regardless of what the world offered him, he has a God who claims him and loves him for who he is. And he believed these things to be so true that he wasn't afraid to speak. This encounter has obviously stayed with me for a long time. And I believe it's the type of faith that Paul is writing about 
in our scripture passage today. A faith that compels us to speak. Belief leads to speech. Think about it. If you believe something to be true and important, you're going to talk about it. Sometimes it's hard to let things go, too. But speech includes our words, our actions, and how we live our lives and our communities. How we speak our faith is also connected to the life of every other human being we encounter. Paul knows this to be true, especially because he lived in a time of great turmoil in the early church. In the letter we will read today, Paul is beginning to realize that perhaps he may not live to see the second coming of Christ. And so he himself, as well as many believers around him, are trying to discern how to exist in this in-between time. Life for early Christians was indeed uncertain. Persecution and oppression were realities. But despite the negativity around him, Paul continued to preach and teach and write about the glory of God, all the while knowing that when he speaks, he could face rejection or persecution. Paul refuses to be discouraged and speaks with hope against all that might try to convince him to despair or to betray the God he loves. So let us listen now to his words from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 through chapter 5, verse 1. But just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with Scripture, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we speak. Because we know the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. Yes, everything is for your sake so that grace, as it extends to more and more people, may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. At first glance, this language that Paul uses about inner and outer nature could be about individual mortality. As our physical bodies might grow older or weaker, our souls might be growing stronger in faith. So it's logical to jump to the conclusion that Paul might be addressing the inevitability of death. But I believe he's actually talking about how to live in the present. He's trying to help the church at Corinth figure out how to exist between the new age that has started with Christ and the old age that still persists all around them. This outer nature is the insecure and shifting situation that they live in, 
while the inner nature is their constant redirecting of their attention to all that is eternal, to God. Paul's writings are just as true for us today as they were at that church in Corinth. We also live in between Christ's coming and the new age of the kingdom of God. We too live in a world of shifting realities where the old age still persists. And we also have to decide each day whether we will depend on the visible things in front of us or invest in the hope of invisible promises. And that's not an easy choice. Deciding to speak boldly about a faith that relies mostly on invisible truths? But that is why we speak our faith in community. Because whether we suffer or whether we rejoice, we share those things together. It's fitting that we celebrated Tilden's baptism today because baptism is indeed the sign that we have and a seal of the solidarity we have in this in-between time we also find ourselves in. In his book entitled Being Christian, author Rowan Williams says this, We are in the middle of two things that seem quite contradictory. In the middle of the heart of God, the ecstatic joy of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and in the middle of a world of threat, suffering, sin, and pain. To be able to say, I'm baptized, is not to claim extra dignity, let alone a sort of privilege that keeps you separate from and superior to the rest of the human race but to claim a new level of solidarity with other people. It is to accept that to be Christian is to be affected. Friends, just as William states, our lives are interwoven. And because of that, what affects one of us affects all of us. And these words of Paul's are strong. Do not lose heart. Because when we encounter suffering or when our earthly tents get destroyed, these are never problems that we face alone. When we share these moments of anguish in a community of faith, there is strength found when we speak of hope and trust in God's promises. This week in particular, we are all aware that there is a lot of suffering for us to share. Just this week, the CDC has put out research that shows a 25% increase in our nation's suicide rate since 1999. Devastation in Guatemala and Hawaii as volcanoes continue to erupt. Violence in Managua, Nicaragua because of political changes and oppression. Families that are separated at the border and spend months or longer trying to be reunited. Refugees in our own city struggle to navigate systems that are unwelcome and confusing to the outsider. Our list is long. Not to mention the personal hardships we face each day. Grief. Struggle with our bodies or with illness. Struggles in relationships or where we work, or searching for a job. These events are real and tangible, 
and they're visible on a 24-hour loop in our, on our screens and in our minds. So as people of faith, what do we do? Paul says that we speak. If we believe that God's promises and God's love has the power to redeem even the darkest of suffering, then we speak. We speak with our words, with our relationships, our finances, and our ministries, our small acts of kindness. Because as people of God, we look for what cannot be seen, for what's eternal, and the things that give glory to God. We believe these things, and so we speak. We speak when we gather around a font and we pour water. We speak when we discern how to best offer hospitality to refugees in our city. We speak when we rearrange and renovate our building to better serve our neighbors. We speak when we show up for presbytery meetings. We speak when we continue to offer lunches to those who are hungry even though our kitchen is under construction. We speak when we participate in advocacy. We speak when we gather for worship downtown, even though we live scattered out across the city. We speak when we stand with someone in the midst of a storm and tell them that they are not alone. All of these things speak to a faith that declares that all people are God's children. And as baptized members of this body of Christ, we are called to be in solidarity with everyone. Our faith is a belief in a God that is unseen, but whose grace is visible in the midst of our lives each time we decide to speak that faith. I'd like to take a few moments to speak to you all about the visible signs of God's grace I've had the honor of sharing these past two years. Ukirk is a ministry that might appear to be invisible to a lot of you, Throughout the year, we meet on Thursday nights, and while many students have visited on Sunday mornings, there's not too many times you all may have crossed paths. But our group of students is made up of young people from all over. Several of them are native to Virginia, while others have come from across the country. Some are Presbyterians, while others are figuring out what Presbyterians are for the first time this year, for better or worse. And our group spans a variety of majors and interests, and most of our students have at least one part-time job spread out around the city. And they never cease to amaze me in their determination and hard work when it comes to accomplishing their goals. This campus ministry was started here at Second because this community declared its belief that college students are important. You all have given Ukirk a foundation of faith and hope, and because of that, it continues to speak God's goodness around downtown Richmond. Two of our Ukirk alums now work in our child care center. Another alum is an ordained Presbyterian pastor in Texas. For the past two years, we've continued to take students to Montreat College Conference in January. And we've started sharing a house with Ukirk at UVA, which has fostered relationships across our state. Each week, Ukirk meets. We have had wonderful volunteers that bring us delicious home-cooked meals. In fact, the food is so good that many of you have said you want to join Ukirk because you've seen photos of our food. 
You're welcome to come anytime. This year, we've had two other congregations in our presbytery that have reached out and began to support you, Kirk, both financially and with bringing us meals. And this year, when we had officer elections for our president, our vice president, and our student treasurer, instead of me having to ask students to serve, we actually had too many students who wanted to serve than we had positions available. And time and time again, I've had students tell me that they felt at home at Ukirk the very first time they arrived. I've learned more about hospitality and welcome from this group of students than I ever have. I want to share with you all a few sentences that one of our students, Ruth, has written about her experiences at Ukirk. She's one of our co-presidents. We have co-presidents now because we had a plethora of sign-ups, which is great. But I want you to hear her words, because they are the words that truly lend an testimony to how this ministry has been speaking. This group of wonderful people has taught me in the last two years how to grow as a Christian and as a college student. From learning how to have fun during times of crippling stress, to having hard conversations with amazing resources, Ukirk at VCU has become my home in a strange new place. As a now sophomore, I joined this group as a frightened freshman in a new place. And thanks to a lucky connection, I have been fortunate enough to find my niche almost immediately. If it were not for this community of young people to guide me, I know I would not be able to begin the lifelong process of solidifying my faith and understanding the world that we live in. Together we have laughed, together we have cried, and through it all we have become a community of independent thinkers and lifelong Presbyterians. Thanks to this group, I have a family that I can worship with and celebrate the life given to us by God. Thanks to this group, I have a home so far away from home. End quote. Friends, belief leads to speech. I am grateful beyond words, the belief that you all have to stand up for things like campus ministry, because I've had the privilege of sharing that ministry with you. It's a ministry that may seem invisible sometimes, but where the transformations of those who are connected to it are becoming more and more visible every day. It's a ministry that I hope you all will continue to grow for many years to come. Because it speaks boldly about God's love for the students in our midst here in downtown Richmond. Paul's words today are about a faith that compels us to continue to speak, despite those things around us that might cause us to despair. For often in those moments, it's easy to remain silent but with a faith rooted in community, even when we are speechless from misery, there is always a family of believers to speak on our behalf until we regain our own voice. So we do not lose heart. We speak boldly. We look for those places in our lives where we can speak up 
if we have been silent for far too long. Perhaps that's exactly where God is calling us to go. So look for those invisible truths that God has promised and let them be visible in your life this day and every day. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your promises, for they allow us to hope even in the most difficult of days. We ask that as we claim to believe, you might help those places where unbelief still lingers, so that our lives might speak your glory and share your grace with everyone we encounter. In your name we pray. Amen.